Well, it's good to, to be here with you guys again. Every time it seems like I'm in a different location. You guys are in a different location, but uh, it's, uh, you guys are like the Israelites in the desert. You just take the tabernacle and just move to the next place. <laughs> but thanks be to God that, that we don't uh, worship God in a temple made by human hands. But uh, that tabernacle was just a shadow of the, the, the true tabernacle in heaven, in the heavenly realms. And we as the scripture tells us that we are being built into living stones, or that we are, as living stones, are being built into a dwelling place um, by the Spirit, a dwelling place for God. So that's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when His people come together as living stones. Um, so today we're going to uh, look at Psalm 1 that uh, Mark just read. And uh, we're going to go through line by line, and then we'll circle back after we go through the psalm. Uh, through each line, we'll circle back and talk about how this is a challenge and an encouragement to you and to me. So the title of the sermon is "The Way of Righteous" or "The Way of the Righteous." And depending on what version you have, uh, there there may be a title above Psalm one that says something to that effect. Mine, I've got the New King James here. It says "The Way of the Righteous and the End of the Ungodly," and that's really the theme of this of this psalm here. And um, the titles, of course, are not inspired by, they're not part of the original inspired word, but, uh, but they give us an idea of what the theme is. Um, so in considering the way of the righteous and who is the righteous and what is that way, um, well, I'll give you a little spoiler alert here. Uh, the righteous, who's called the righteous one, or in some translations, the just one, when, when Peter's speaking in, in the temple and acts, Jesus, he says, the just one or the righteous one. And uh, Stephen, in his preaching to, to the, the council, says, calls him the same thing. So Jesus is the righteous one. And who is the way? Who is the way? It's Jesus. He is. Jesus said, I am the way. So in, in thinking about who the righteous is and what this way is that this, this psalm is bringing, we must never forget that Jesus is the righteous one and he is the way. So let's, uh, let's look. Um, go ahead and dig into the psalm here. Um, starts off verse 1. Blessed is the man. Blessed, the very first word, blessed or blessed. Now that blessed is not the same blessed that you find in uh, Psalm 119, for example, when it says, uh, blessed be the Lord. That's the Hebrew word for that is uh, barach, which is uh, praise or uh, uh, let there be, uh, it's like a salute uh, or, or a praise or, or a kneeling before someone. So that's, that's not the word that's here used here. The word used here is esher, which is actually... A noun, not a verb. It's a noun, and it's in a plural form, and it literally means happinesses. So it's like this, and it's used as an interjection of, oh, happy, oh, happy, oh, happiness. So that's how this starts off. Happiness belongs or is happy is the man. The man who what? And here we have the first characteristic uh or the second characteristic, the first characteristic of the righteous one is that he is blessed, he is happy. His life can be described with the interjection, oh, happinesses. But the, uh, the next characteristic is who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The walk is the manner of life. It's, it's the way you go, the way you live. So blessed is the man 
who does not have the way of life of the ungodly. Uh, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't walk in the, according to the plans or the purposes or the advice of the ungodly. He does not stand. He doesn't take his stand or commits to the path of sinners. The path, again, it's the way of life, the direction that the sinners go. He, the the, the right, righteous one who is blessed, who is happy, is not, does not take his stand in the path of, of, the, of the wicked. And he does not sit. He does not take his seat. He does not abide in. When you sit down, you're there to stay, right? So he doesn't sit. He's not there to stay with, uh, in the seat of the scornful. And, and again, the seat, this idea is that you're sitting in a group, in an assembly of the scornful. And this, this assembly is characterized by scorners. Some, some translations uh, say scoffers or, or some maybe even mockers. Um, but the idea of the scornful, when you scorn something, you have contempt for it. You have contempt for it. And what is it that these scornful in this assembly have contempt for? What do you think they have contempt for? It's not just a kind of generic, oh, they, they have contempt for, for just things. But there's something specifically they have contempt for. For God. And for, for the, the, the righteous who reflect God. Remember what Jesus says in, in John, uh, John 15? He says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you. The world would love its own. It does love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Right? So they have contempt for God, first and foremost, and then also contempt for those who have God dwelling in them, who reflect the glory of God. And they also have contempt for God and for His Word. Because the very next line here, but his delight, meaning the one, the blessed man, his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the instruction of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, right? He doesn't have contempt for the word of the Lord. He delights in it. He, he has pleasure in it. He desires it. He has a desire for it. So, um, he delights in the Lord. And how is that demonstrated? How is his, his delight in God's word demonstrated? It says, in his law, he meditates every week. Is that what it says? No, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. In his law, he meditates day and night. It's a daily thing. And not just one part of the day, but whether it's a daytime or the nighttime, he's meditating on, on the word of the Lord. And we're going to come back to that in a little bit. But what effect does this have on his life? When, he's, when this blessed man, this happy man, is delighting himself in the law of the Lord and he's not living the life. He's not standing in, on the path of the sinners. He's not sitting with, with uh, the, the, the scorners. Delighting in the law of the, of the Lord. What, uh, what effect does this have on his life? Well, the psalmist here gives a very vivid picture of that. He says, he is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He's like a tree. Now, trees are strong. Trees are strong. Has anyone ever tried to push over a tree, a living tree? 
even a small we've got a, a, a very small um, Japanese maple they don't grow typically grow very big but I could try all night and all day every day and I would never be able to uproot that thing it's, it's, it's a healthy living tree and it's it's only about this big around and imagine the big you know oak trees are the big the big maple in my backyard there's no way I could I could knock that over or, or, or uproot it or push it over it's strong so when you think of a tree it's something that's strong and it's a tree that's planted by rivers of, of water. And it's interesting that the word rivers there, uh, there's an alternate translation, streams. Because the, the Hebrew word that's used for river is not like the, uh, the Jordan River or like the Delaware River. It's, it's the idea of a stream. In fact, in Psalm 34, uh, it's a very familiar psalm that says, um, it talks about the, um, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, Right? So there's a river whose streams, and that, that word streams in that psalm is the same word here. And um, the, in the Hebrew, Strong's lexicon, it, it says that it's a, it can be translated as a stream or even as a channel or a, a canal. And so you think of, of water that's, that's used for irrigation purposes, that's, that's directed to, to crops to make them grow and be fruitful. So... Um, the psalmist continues the picture. It's a tree that brings forth fruit in its season. My boys will remember a couple years ago, maybe Elijah will remember. Uh, we had, remember we planted those bean plants in our, in our yard? You remember that? Did they grow really tall or not very tall? Not very tall. I didn't know a lot about gardening at that time. I'm still learning, but at that time I really didn't know anything. I didn't have a green thumb. I was very just green, <laughs> new to the whole thing. Um, and I didn't realize that that ground really needed fertilizer. It needed nutrients. And I didn't realize that it needed regular watering either. And that summer, we happened to be doing a lot of traveling. And uh, every time we'd come back, I'd find those, those bean plants pale. The leaves were pale. Uh, they were withered. And there was no beans on them. And every, a couple of them had some beans. They weren't very big. It wasn't very fruitful. And why not? It wasn't getting the water that it needed. I thought, well, you know, the occasional... Summer shower should be enough, right? Now it needs, it needs water. So this is a tree that, that's described as something that has water and it's producing fruit and its leaves are not like the leaves on, my, on our bean plant, right? They're, they don't wither. They don't wither. And, and why, why is that? Because they're getting fed by, this, by the streams, by water. Makes you think of what Jesus told the Samaritan woman. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? He said, and there was a discussion about... Uh, can you give me something to drink? And she said, well, you know, uh, um, why are you asking me for water? And Jesus said, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask him for water and he would give you living water and you would never be what? Thirsty again, because the water that comes from Jesus is always enough. We'll never wither. As long as we're drinking from the water of Jesus, we will never have leaves that wither. So this is, this is the picture that the psalmist gives of this blessed, this happy man, this righteous one. And then he moves into a very stark contrast. He goes back to the wicked, provides this really stark contrast. He says, the, the ungodly are not like this tree. They're like the chaff. Now, we don't live in an agricultural society, but do you all know what chaff is? Mm -hmm. The chaff, it's the part, it's the, the hole, right? The husk. Around And typically, you would think of it as probably most often uh, associated with wheat, 
right? The, the staple, the bread of life, the, you know, the staple crop that fed people, you know, for centuries, wheat. And when you'd harvest the wheat, the, the wheat kernels that would provide the flour was in a little hull that was not digestible uh, to people. So it wasn't, didn't have any nutritional value. You couldn't eat it. So you wanted to, you wanted to get rid of it and you, you threw it up. And the hull was light enough where when you threw the, the wheat grain up, just even in a light breeze would cause it to blow away, to blow off and blow away. So you can think of how light that is. And if you've seen, you know, the hull of, of a wheat berry or a wheat kernel, it's very, it's, it's nothing. It's like, <laughs> there's almost nothing to it. Um, comparing that to a tree that's planted firm without, it's producing fruit and it's not, it's not withered. It's a pretty stark contrast, isn't it? He said, the ungodly are not so, they're like the chaff, which the wind blows away. And we know, we just saw what the life of the righteous looks like. It produces fruit. It's strong. It's healthy. It's growing. But the, the life of the ungodly here, we see the end. Therefore, in verse 5, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. They will not stand. They will not remain standing in when the time of judgment comes. Now, this is not just a generic judgment, but this is the judgment. Here's a, there's a definite article there. The judgment. And we know what the scripture says. Right? In Hebrews it says it's appointed once for man to die and then to face what? The judgment. the judgment. Corinthians says we must all face the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul at, at, on the Areopagus in, in Acts, 18, uh, Acts 17 he said to the people he, he's, he's bearing witness of the gospel and he says God he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. That is Christ Jesus. So the wicked will not stand in that day. They will be destroyed and blown away just like the, the chaff, just taken away by the wind. And the sinners will not sit in the congregation of the righteous. The sinners will not sit in the congregation of the righteous. And here we have, the, what is the congregation? The assembly of the righteous, right? And Hebrews talks about the, the, the assembly of the righteous. Um, it's God's people. But if you're a sinner, you cannot be a part of that assembly. And the picture is bleak. Uh, there are sobering words from Matthew chapter 7. Verses 19 to 23. And Jesus says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, or you who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. And again, in the last, in the, the last judgment, that is the fate for those who cannot stand. They will depart from God forever into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this takes us into the last verse of the psalm, verse 6. 
the Lord knows the way of the righteous, right? He, Jesus tells the workers of iniquity, the workers of lawlessness, depart from me, I never knew you. But here we're told the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And in a way, the way of the righteous represents the righteous. There's, it's kind of a, kind of a, um, like a literary uh, synecdoche, right? They, they, you take a part that's associated with, with something and that represents the, the whole. Um, so the Lord knows the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly, which is representative of the ungodly, shall perish. And that's Psalm 1. So here we have very great promises for the righteous. Oh, happinesses, blessed is that man. But a very sobering judgment for the unrighteous and the sinner. So the first thing we have to reckon with when we read this psalm is this. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if we all sinned, if we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God, is there hope for us? How can we, who are born sinners, ever be counted among the righteous? And this is where the gospel comes in. Romans 3, in that same passage, we read in verse 21, In Him, in Jesus, a righteousness that is apart from the works of the law have been revealed. It's the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah to that. Praise the Lord. Through Jesus, we can be counted among the righteous. Right? Uh, He who himself knew no sin for us became sin so that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. So through Jesus, we become part of the righteous. It's not through anything that we have done, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his regenerating work in the, by the Holy Spirit, making us alive and, and unifying us, bringing us into Christ so that we are one with Christ. Um, I don't remember exactly where it was. I remember reading uh, Bonhoeffer once and uh, uh, on uh, the Psalms. And he mentioned how when, when you read the Psalms, you have to first recognize that they're ultimately speaking about Christ when they talk about the righteous one. Jesus is the only righteous one, right? But then when we are brought into Christ and we have union with Christ, only then can these Psalms also apply to us, right? So when we are in Christ, if you are in Christ today, this afternoon, then you can take heart and you can be encouraged by the Psalm because you are accounted among the righteous. If this afternoon you were not in Christ, you have not been born again of Him, then this is a very sobering psalm. And the call, the plea, is to turn to Jesus because you can't, on your own, you cannot get off that path of the sinner. It is impossible, right? Can a dead man walk? No, when you're dead, you can't do anything. But that's why Jesus... And this is, we, we heard this earlier uh, when, uh, when um, Kurt read this from John 15. Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And I wonder if, if Jesus was making allusions to Psalm 1 when he said this, right? 
He shall be like, like the trees planted by the rivers of water, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. When we are in Christ, we are born again. And as Ezekiel 36 says, that he gives us the new heart. He takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. He washes us clean of our filth. And it's not merely that, okay, you're still a sinner and you're still just dead in your sins, but, but in, in a legal sense, God's made you righteous. And so that's good enough for now. And you just have to wait till you get to heaven before getting rid of the sin nature. No, that's not the gospel. That's only part of the gospel. Because he does wash us clean of our filth, but he also takes our heart of stone and gives us a new heart, heart of flesh, the heart of Jesus. And what else does that Ezekiel say? He says, I will put my spirit in you. That was the precious promise of the Holy Spirit that the saints had been looking forward to that came in Jesus. And that's why Hebrews says, we're in a better covenant because this was the promise that God had been making throughout the old covenant, but the spirit had not yet been poured out in its fullness. Right now, we walk as believers in the, we have the Holy Spirit and we're able to now reflect Jesus in our lives. So not only are we united with Christ in, 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 uh, in our status before God of being righteous, but now we have the heart of Jesus and we have the spirit of Jesus in us that empowers us to be able to walk on this path of the righteous and to experience the happiness and the blessing of being uh, accounted among the righteous. Uh, so so that's, uh, that brings me to, to, to what I want to talk about and to apply this to, to you and to me the encouragement that we can get from this and the challenge that we can get from this. And it's one, if we are counted among the righteous, we abide in Christ. So just as we had heard, if we are in Christ, we are new creation. Amen to that. And if we're new creation, let's abide in Christ. Let's dwell in him every day. We abide in Christ and his word. What did Jesus say? If, if I abide, if you, if I, um, uh, if you abide in me and I in you, right? And if, if my word abides in you, you'll bear much fruit. So I want to come back to this uh, in, in verse 2 in, in Psalm 1, where it says, His delight, his pleasure, his desire is for the law of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord, the Torah, right? But what did Jesus say? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word proceeds from the mouth of God. God's words give life. They give life. And that's why the man who meditates on God's word is happy. He's blessed because God's words are life and they give life. Now it's interesting, meditate. What does that mean? You know, in our day and age, a lot of people use the word, you know, I, I hear this all the time from, from uh, non-Christians. I like to meditate. And by that, they had this, this idea of like Eastern meditation. It's kind of like almost, you know, especially in, in, in strains of Buddhism, you're emptying your mind, right? And trying to just tune, you know, open yourself up, being in, becoming in tune with this, you know, this, this general force, this generic force behind everything. But that's not what this word means. Meditate, uh, haga is the, is the um, Hebrew, haga. And it's, it's kind of a, an onomatopoeia, but it literally means to murmur. Haga, haga. And it, it's a murmuring that can be associated with pleasure. Oh man, this is the best spaghetti I've ever had. I love homemade. <laughs> I recently had some spaghetti that was really amazing. And as, you're, as I'm eating it, I was like, oh man, this is so good. This is so good. I'm murmuring to myself 
and pleasure, right? But it can also be a murmuring and pain. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this. So this murmuring. So meditation is, is this idea of murmuring. I, I, uh, I lived in China for a year. I did missions over there. And um, I, was, I was teaching English in a university. And um, I remember one of my first classes with this, this group of students, a class of like 40, 40-something, 40 40-some-odd kids, um, we were going through the textbook, and there was a, a paragraph I wanted them to read. So I said, all right, guys, I want you to take a couple of minutes and read the paragraph at the bottom of page 25 or whatever it was. And so, so I, you know, I sit down and just give them a few minutes to do this. And I'm assuming it's going to be quiet here for, for a few moments while everyone reads the paragraph. But all of a sudden, the whole room just starts... I'm like, everybody's reading out loud. That's interesting. I just, I thought they were going to read to themselves. And apparently in China, when they read, even when they're reading to themselves, they're always speaking the words. And there's something to that. There's something to that. What does Joshua 1.8 say? It says, when the Lord's talking to Joshua, just before uh, he's to take the people into the promised land, he says, this book of the law, this Torah, my word, this book of the law shall not depart from your, you remember? From your lips, from your mouth. Um, but you shall meditate, you shall murmur it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. That prosperous, right? Does that sound familiar? What are we reading in Psalm 1, uh, uh, chapter uh, Psalm 1, verse 3? talking about the tree, giving that tree analogy. And he says, whatever he, that man does, shall prosper. And that prosper, it's the, uh, it's the, the idea of, um, in the Hebrew words, being productive, succeeding, accomplishing your purpose, being profitable. Now, that's not the, God, the, the prosperity gospel, meaning that you know, you'll prosper. You'll make all the money you want. You'll get the car that you want. You'll get the job that you want. You'll have the, the, uh, the success and popularity that you want. That's not the, that the prosperity he's talking about. What he's talking about is fruitfulness. How do we know that? Because, John, because Jesus in John 15 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if Jesus' words are abiding in you and Jesus is abiding in you, you will ask what, what you want. And what will you want? If it's Jesus abiding you and abiding in you and it's his words in you, what are you going to desire? You're going to, you're going to desire him. You're going to desire what he desires. And it says, and it shall be done for you. And verse eight, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, right? So that the prosperity he's talking about, you will have a fruitful life that, that shows the glory of God. Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they might see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven, right? So this happens when we meditate on God's word. So one thing I want to encourage you specifically to do, spend some time meditating on God's word by speaking it. Try memorizing a verse by just saying it again and again and not with with no you know not with your mind tuned out but thinking about the words as you're speaking it but there's something about actually saying it that really internalizes his word uh, in your heart and directs you in his way 
So, so spend some time meditating on God's word. Um, some of you here know Dr. Henry Krabendam. He, uh, he has this jingle, if you ever have ever gone through uh, any of his trainings or even sat through his sermons. He's, you, you may have heard this, this little song that he made up that he sings all the time. He says, read through scripture four times a year, four times a year, four times a year. Pray through scripture four times a year until Christ is formed in me. So it's a little a song that he sings to himself and he, and he teaches others to sing. And the first time I heard that, I thought, man, well, for one thing, reading scripture four times a year, that's, that's a lot. I don't know if I can do that. You know, I'm a father, I got a job. And, um, but he's getting at something. What did Jesus say? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And, and in the jingle, when he says, read through scripture four times a year. Then he says, pray through scripture four times a year. As you're reading it, pray the, pray the scriptures. Say it back to the Lord. Again, it's that meditating, it's that murmuring, it's that speaking the scriptures, letting it just be on your lips. And when are you to meditate on it? Day and night, all the time. It's the idea of daily, right? Every night, every day. Uh, there's also, I, I think, I mean, this is my, my, uh, my own personal conjecture, but perhaps, because uh, I know in, in the Hebrew, day often represents, you know, light, goodness, and dark often represents, uh, or, or, sorry, night often represents dark and, and evil and turmoil and trouble, right? The psalmist says, um, he says, you know, though sorrow may last for the, Night, his joy comes in the morning with the day, the coming of the day. Amen. Amen. That's right. And so when we see that, that this, the righteous is, is meditating on God's word every day, uh, uh, day and night, he's, he's doing it when things are going well. Have you ever been tempted to think, you know, God's doing a lot of things in my life. Things are going well. You know, I got a lot to do. Uh, I don't feel the need to really read the word. I, I, I know the word. You know, I can just kind of do my, my thing. And uh, before you know it, you slip into, you start straying from the Word of God. And all, all of a sudden, you're like, well, how did I get here? I, 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 things were going well. I didn't think I needed the Word of God, right? Or have you been tempted in a time of trouble when you have trials in your life? Oh, I'm just frustrated right now. I don't feel like going to the Word of God. I'm just too, too frustrated right now. Don't be tempted by that. Every temptation that came at Jesus, what did he do? He quoted, he quoted the word. He quoted the word. That's right. It is written. So whether it's the day for you or whether it's the night for you, meditate on the word of God. Read it. Speak it. Murmur it. And you will be the righteous. You will be that blessed, happy man walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, not standing in the path of sinners, uh, not sitting among the seat of the scornfuls, those who have contempt for God's word and, and for God and for his people, but you will delight in the law of the Lord and you will be meditating on it day and night. You will be like that tree planted by rivers of water, bearing fruit in, in season, being prosperous for the kingdom of God. And you will stand in the judgment. You will be able to stand, not because it's your righteousness, but because his righteousness is in you. Amen. So uh, be encouraged with that. And uh, 
We'll end with prayer. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you. Your word is truth. And in your light, we are able to see light. God, where else would we go to find the words of life? For you alone have them. Jesus, we thank you that you abide in us. We thank you that your word abides in us as we meditate. Help us to meditate on your word day and night. God, make us fruitful for you. Cause our, our ways to prosper, that we might bear much fruit for the gospel, that we might bear much fruit and, and show your glory to the world around us, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you yourself bore our sins in your body on the tree so that we, having died to sin, might live to righteousness. Let your word be in us, we pray. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs>